It's good to see those that are here this morning. We have some folks and some faces in the audience I don't recognize, but we're glad you're here. We're glad everybody is able to make it today to, to worship and to sing praises and pray to our God and, and remember His Son, give of our means, and then also study His will. I, I hope that it'll say something this morning that will benefit us in some way in our Christian living. I kind of stole this idea from my brother. Um, uh, he gave, this, gave a talk on this, this set of verses up in, in Oregon when we were up there last visiting my mother. And I, I just really enjoyed the topic, so came home and, and uh, tried to put something together that would, that, would, uh, that would help us understand these verses a little bit and help us focus on things that we need to focus. Going to our, our text in Matthew, the sixth chapter, in verses 22 and 23, Matthew there says, The eye is the lamp of the body. Jesus is speaking here, by the way. It says, the, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that light, how great is that darkness? In Jesus, this is a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and he had just finished talking about the choices that we make between laying up treasures in heaven and laying up treasures on earth. And shortly after this set of verses, he, he speaks about the choices we make between the two masters, whether we will serve money or, or the things, the temporal things of this life, or whether we serve God. Now Jesus uses the eye as a means of checking our vision, checking our focus, what we're focused on. And all of these verses, of course, are about choices that we make as Christians. The heart is our passions, our intentions, our thoughts, and our focus. Mike Criswell says in his commentary on contending for the faith about this, these set of verses, the light, literally, lamp of the body, is the eye. And it is the lens through which we are able to process our environment. If the eye has clear vision, we will not stumble. If, however, our vision is double or blurry, it will be difficult to stay on track. The analogy is physical, but the lesson is spiritual. If a man has a single vision of God, then he will be totally dedicated to him. When things of this life cloud his vision, however, he will stumble and sin. Darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is the absence of energy. In other words, when we want to turn on these lights this morning in here. We must have the energy source. We must have electricity coming into the building to be able to produce the light when we flip on the switch. But you can't switch on darkness. You can't turn a switch on and darkness comes forth. We need light to see around us and keep us from stumbling. In John 11 and verse 10, it is when a person walks 
at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Here a few years ago, I remember getting up to, to uh, go to the restroom during the, during the night, and I'm walking back to get back into bed. Guess what happened? Kicked the side or the corner of the bed so hard that I just, you know, you just fall to your knees and, and, and just roll around in pain. Finally got over to where I could turn the light on and my toe was going off in this direction. I thought, well, of course, this isn't going to get any more painful than it already is. So I just grabbed the toe and gave it a good yank and it went pop back into place or I set it or whatever. And thank goodness I didn't have to go into the doctor and get a shot and then they should do the same thing there and go through the pain already. I may as well get it over with. But the whole point is that if I'd had the light on, I would have been able to see what I was about to do and maybe avoid it. So it's when the light is gone that we stumble, when we have no light. Several of you maybe have been to Carlsbad Caverns. I remember going as a young person, I think maybe we took the kids there at one point when they were much younger. You go down into that cave, down in the deep bottom of that cave, and they will turn the lights off and there is nothing you can see. You can't see one thing. And if you take a step, or you take two steps, you may take a step that will cause you to trip and fall, twist your ankle, whatever it may be, fall down a flight of stairs if you try to get out of there. But with no light, you're going to stumble and you're going to fall. By the way, I was supposed to turn to that. Probably most of us own a flashlight. I own several. Now the batteries work better than they used to. When I had younger grandkids, I couldn't keep batteries in them because the grandkids like to use the flashlights. But it's what helps me get around. It's what helps me see what, what I need to see. It helps me avoid the problems. It helps me see clearly what I need to be looking at. And Jesus is talking in this section in the Sermon on the Mount about maintaining the right relationship both with God and with the world we live in. He had just given instruction about how practically to start weaning his followers' attention away from worldly things. And in this passage, he gives us more detailed instructions about the equipment we need. Sometimes the Greek word luknos is translated light, sometimes lamp. And is there a difference? Our eyes are our, our, are our eyes what we see by or what we see with? The light he is talking about is outside of us. But the lamp is part of us. We need to have a lamp to be able to have light. We need to have a fixture, we need to have a lamp so that the light can be shown around and we can see. We are the lamp, what we produce is the light. So for a person to be full of light, the eye first must be in good working order and they must be healthy, 
They must be clear. They must be good. They must be single and must be focused. We need to see clearly so that we can know what is going on. We are looking only to or at and focused on one thing in our spiritual life, and that is our God. That's what Jesus is saying here in verse 22. So then if your eye is clear or good or healthy, your whole body will be full of light. You will be projecting light in everything you do. But the lamp must be working and functioning properly to produce the light. It must be healthy. How many times have we gone to turn on the light, but something's wrong? The light bulb is burned out or whatever, so the light has to be good. The, the, the fixture has to be good. The wiring has to be good. The electricity has to be powering that. Or something is wrong, and that's what we're talking about this morning. So if the eye is good, if it is clear, if it is healthy, if it is single, then it will produce nothing but light. Let's notice now in verse 23, he talks about the bad eye, the evil eye, the darkness. But if your eye is bad or evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness... How great is that darkness? Mike Criswell goes on to say in his commentary, <clears throat> but if your eye is bad, in other words, the word Jesus uses for evil, poneros, refers to an eye that is diseased. I heard Drima this morning talking about a cataract in her eye. That's a disease, a part of the eye that is getting a disease, getting to where the clarity is going away. There's a problem in her eye. I have these because my eyes are not perfect. My eyes do not see 20-20 vision, so I need something to correct the focus. But if, if the eye is diseased, an eye that has something wrong with it spiritually, this is the person that is beset by instability. His eyes do not correctly focus. His spiritual vision is faulty, being blurred by his incessant gaze on material things. Robertson describes this person as one who keeps one eye on his hoarded treasure on earth while he proudly rolls the other eye up to heaven. Jesus goes on to say, your whole body shall be full of darkness. <clears throat> Mike uh, Chriswell goes on to say, as in the previous verse, Jesus shows that our spiritual vision affects our entire life. If the spiritual eye does not let in the proper amount of light, the energy, the whole body will stumble. And many Christians desire to be spiritual without letting, on their, letting go on the, of their preoccupation with the world's goods. Jesus says that these people are, in reality, Full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Notice Jesus' final exclamation How great is that darkness when the eye is not simply set on heaven or singly set on heaven, 
No part of the Christian's life will be effective. Darkness will permeate. Jesus allows no room for compromise. It is not possible to have one eye on that's one eye that seeks God while the other looks for pleasure. The face that seeks God must have both eyes focused on him. It's so hard for us to keep focused on God with all the distractions around us in this life. It's a very evil thing for light to become darkness. We've seen this happen in people. We've seen them that they once lived in the light, that they once shone as a child of God, that they produced a light and a life that was focused on God. But for some reason, the darkness came. The light went off. The light got dimmer and dimmer and dimmer until there was no more light but darkness. So in the scriptures we just read, Jesus is making very deep statements. He was not talking about the physical eye, but a person may be able to see physically, but, but be spiritually blind. Even though our physical eye can cause us to sin. Our physical eye, we can look upon things and see things and desire things and take in things that tempt us and pull us away from God. The physical eye definitely has something to do with it. But he's talking about the spiritual things of life. Things certainly go wrong when the light in a person's life becomes darkness and they no more focus on spiritual things. There will be failure instead of success, bondage instead of freedom. There will be hardship instead of, of ease and discomfort instead of comfort. There will be despair instead of hope. The diseased eye is not focused on heaven and we have double vision. We want to look at the world and we want to focus on the world Yet we also want to focus on God at the same time. And we have double vision. Our text is about two different types of vision. The good eye and the bad eye. The double vision. Luke 9 and 6, 62. <clears throat> but Jesus said to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit <coughs> Excuse me for the kingdom of kingdom of God. <clears throat> Looking back means that we've lost focus on God. Looking back at the world, looking back at sin, looking back at our past life, looking back at, and being distracted by other things, catching things as they maybe go by and we look. That's one of the problems that <clears throat> as I'm driving and driving and trying to focus and I, the older I get, the more I need to focus on when I'm driving the car. And sometimes Vicky will say, oh, look at that. And I'll look over there at that. And by the time I look back, something's happening in front of me or I've veered off the road a little bit or, or whatever it may be. And it's not, it's not a good thing for me to not be focused on the road and when I'm driving. It's not good for us as Christians to focus on God and then be distracted by other things that come along in our way. Have you seen a person that's so deeply focused on something or some task that they're doing? You may call their name and you may call their name and you may call their name and, 
and try to get their attention and they're just so deeply focused on it that you can't hardly get them to pull away. That's the way we need to be with our Christian lives. Is so focused on God that things that come along don't distract us. But then you see the others that try to kind of focus on certain things and then all of a sudden, squirrel, and they look off to the side. They're just distracted at the least little thing that comes by. They're trying to live their Christian life, but here comes a squirrel. And they get pulled away, they get pulled away, they get pulled away by things of this world. And they keep not focusing on God and lose their focus on God. Some of you may remember here, it hadn't been long, maybe three years ago or so. I woke up on Thanksgiving morning. And one eye was going this way, and one eye was going this way. Had a virus that had taken over and, and, and got into my nervous system and caused one eye to go off in one direction. Everybody started calling me, saying that I had Marty Feldman eyes. I couldn't focus. I had to close one eye so that I could focus on something and be able to read it. If I got up to lead a song, I had to close one eye to be able to read the song and be able to read read the notes. Our eyes must be looking and focusing on heaven and the sweet things, not distracted by worldly and earthly things. If If we aren't looking in the right direction, we can stumble. We can take the wrong path. We may be deceived into thinking that we're in the right path and taken the wrong path. I've done that. You've done that. Probably you thought you were going in the right direction and you realized you took the wrong road. You took the wrong path. You went off in the wrong direction. And you had to circle back around and go back to where you're at and and take off on the right direction. Your employer doesn't want you while you're working for him to be distracted by things, what you're going to be doing after work or what you're going to be doing this weekend. He wants you to be focusing on your job all day long. The airline pilot, you don't want that airline pilot focusing on what he's going to eat for lunch or what he's going to do after he lands the plane or whatever. You want him focused on flying that plane. Be very, very focused on flying that plane. The astronaut doesn't want... uh, flight control, to be listening to a joke that his co-workers telling him and not be focused on the launch. We want them focused on everything they're doing so that they get it right. And God does not want you focused or being distracted by the pleasures and the things of this world and lose focus on him because guess what happens? We lose our track. We get off on the wrong road. We get off on the wrong trail. We get off in the wrong light. And the light goes away and we wind up in darkness. God doesn't want us to be focused on the world while we're still trying to serve him with no focus. Don't be deceived by the illusions or the mirage of the world and the earthly treasures. They're not what they appear to be. How many times have we looked at something and we thought it was a certain way 
And the closer we got, the more light we put on it, we realized that's not what that is. The illusions of the world are not what they appear to be. The illusions of the world will tell you that everything is okay. They will tell you this is a life of fun. They will tell you this is a life of pleasure. This is a life of joy. And all it does is bring you sadness and put you in darkness. It's an illusion. It's a mirage. That's where we experience the confusion of building, of blinding distractions, excuse me. The oncoming blind, blinding headlights. The sudden unexpected problems that come our way. There are so many so-called Christians today that have no idea where they're going because they are not familiar with the map or they're trying to navigate the map in the darkness and they're off course. Have you been following the discussion about this gender fluidity in the world today? That topic came out of nowhere. I mean, it just hit us. Uh, blindsided us, basically. People are trying to figure out how to respond to this and being criticized or being fired from their jobs or being fired from, from wherever they're working, whatever it may be. If they're using the wrong pronouns. And do you really think we can't tell what gender a child is when it's born? This is what Satan is doing to try to distract us and get us to focus on those things instead of him. When this happens, guess what we need to do? We need to pick up our Bibles and start reading them and start praying about it. That's what we need to do and see what the Bible has to say about those things. Notice Isaiah 5 and verses 20 through 24. Woe to those who will call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe. And take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. This is all to distract us and cloud our vision and our focus on God. He's throwing us curveballs. He's trying to take away our light. He's trying to take away the energy that, that puts that light within us. He's trying to, to cloud our light. He's trying to stop our light. He's trying to block our light. He's trying to do everything. He's trying to put our bulbs out. He's trying to, to do everything he can to keep us from being the light of God and letting our light shine. He's trying everything he can. He's trying to distract you. He's trying to discourage you. He's trying to cut you off at the knees, whatever it may be. He's telling you right is wrong and wrong is right. And you're wrong about it if you think, think different than that. No matter what the Word of God says. He's trying to blind you and keep you 
from seeing what God has to say. And how do we know what God has to say? Pick up your Bible and read about it. God has something to say about it. And God is right. Not that knucklehead down there at the corner saying something different. Not that guy that's on the news that say he knows everything about it. Not that person that went home and wrote it on a sign and doesn't even know what he's protesting about. He doesn't know a thing about it, but God knows what is right. So read God's word and you'll know what is right, regardless of what everybody else says. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who substitute darkness for light. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. It's only the word of God and the mind of Christ that can help us both understand and withstand these pressures being put on some of us and our children. Read your Bibles with your children. Read your Bibles with your children. Teach them what is right. Don't let them be taught by others that have no interest in their soul's salvation. Don't let others distract them. Don't let others indoctrinate them or you about what is right and about what the Word of God says on these things. With all the confusion in life, we need something to bring clarity in our lives. Notice Psalm 119 and 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. There's where it is. The word of God is the light and the lamp unto our feet and a light to our pathway. Notice Psalm 119 and 130. The unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. There's where it is. So if you're having problems, if you're having distractions, if you're struggling with keeping focus on God, go to the Word of God. And read it. And study it. And let it guide you. And let it put light on that subject that you're struggling with. And that problem you're dealing with in life. It gives understanding to the simple. Well, the one in control of the bad eye or the evil eye is Satan. He blinds the faithless. Notice 2 Corinthians 4 and verses 3 through 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to keep you from reading your Bible. He's trying to keep you from understanding what his will is. He's trying to keep you from producing light. And you know out in the world, he's doing a pretty good job of it.
God referred to here as the same bad influencer under the names of principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places, Ephesians 6 and verse 12. These same bad-eyed people refuse to see the goodness of God and his plan of salvation, the sacrifice for their sins. Satan is the one that blinds the minds of people. It's because he hates the word of God. He hates the gospel, and he wants to stop it. He wants to stop its influence. He wants to stop its spread. Satan has always hated and opposed it, and all his efforts have been to stop its spread on the earth. The word light here means excellence, beauty, or splendor. Light is the symbol of knowledge, of purity, innocence. And here is it, it is implied to the gospel because it removes the error. It removes sin and it removes the darkness in people's lives. As the light of the sun dispels the shades of night, it is the gospel of the glory of Christ that brings out clearness and brightness in a world of darkness. You go into a room of darkness where there is no light and you light just the least little bit of light. You, you, you produce a, a, a match and, and strike that or the least little bit of light and it dispels the darkness. That's what Satan is trying to keep from happening. He's trying to keep you from seeing what sin does to you. And sin will send you to hell. He, Satan is trying to keep you from understanding that. He's trying to say, well, it's, it's really not all that bad. It's okay to just have some fun. Go out and have some fun. Enjoy life. Just, just live a good and, and, and fun life and enjoy it. And all that stuff that you're hearing about, that's a bunch of baloney. That's what Satan is trying to tell you to do. He's trying to keep you from seeing the clarity that the scriptures give you. If you don't want someone to see a bad thing, something you want hidden, you don't turn on the light. You're trying to sell a house and you've got a big hole in the floor. Guess what? You don't go in that room and... Flip on the light. Hey, look at this. I wanted to show you this big hole in the floor. No, you don't even take them in there. You don't turn on that light. You hope they don't even see it. You don't put light on things that are dark and things that are bad. Because it reveals what is bad. It's the light of the gospel of Christ that brings clarity to our lives. Also, Proverbs 17 to verse 20. He who has a crooked mind finds no good, and he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. Also, 1 John 2 and 11. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness, in the darkness, and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Well, let's notice a little bit about the good, good eye, the healthy eye, the light. In contrast to living a life in darkness, we can live a life of light. Light makes things clear. Light dispels and confirms the truth. Light illuminates. 
It reveals things. Light defeats darkness no matter how thick the darkness is. A little bit of light in a situation will reveal the problems and any darkness is dispelled around it. Light reveals a pathway for people. Light facilitates progress while darkness slows things down. Light warms you sometimes when it's cold. Light also warns us of danger. It prevents cat, cat catastrophes and reveals what is missing. We drive with our lights on at night to avoid going off the road, to avoid the potholes, to avoid having a wreck. It's a terrible thing when the light of a person's life becomes darkness. One of the names by which Christians are known is light. Christians are supposed to be the light in the darkness of this world. Christians are supposed to, be, to show the way to people who don't know the way. They're supposed to direct those who are in darkness. We are to be projecting that light for others to see God and Jesus by our lives. Matthew 5 and verse 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We are the light. How do we produce that light? Because we have to have light, don't we? But we have to have a, we have to have a lamp that's in us to produce the light that is outside of us. We have to have an energy. We have to have a power source. We have to make sure everything is right in us to be able to produce that light. If the bulb is broken, if there's no energy source, if something's wrong inside of us, we don't produce light. And he says, you are the light of the world. And if you're not producing light, something's wrong. Something's wrong with the fixture. Something's wrong with the wiring. Something's wrong with the power source. But something is wrong if you're not producing a light. Let your light shine before men. We are the light. Back to our text, Matthew 6 and 22. The lie, eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. If we are focused on God, if that's where our focus is, if we can see clearly what we're supposed to be focused on, then we will produce light. So again, when we're completely and totally focused on God and Jesus, not double vision, not distracted, if we're seeing clearly, single vision, if we're focused on things that produce a life of living in the light, we will produce a light that others will see in our lives. Or once they were living in darkness, they might give them enough tension to see that light and follow us on the path that guides them to Jesus. The light is outside of us, but the lamp is part of us. It's in us. It's what produces the light. 
the heart. Notice Isaiah 33 and verses 15 through 17. He who walks righteously and speaks with sincerity, he who rejects unjust gain and shakes his hands so that they hold no bribe, he who stops his ears from hearing about bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking upon evil, he will dwell on the heights. His refuge will be in the impregnable rock. His bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty and will behold a far distant land. So if we quit focusing on the things that the devil wants us to focus on, if we'll quit focusing on the distractions, if we'll quit being that dog that is wanting that little squirrel to go by and distract us from everything, if we'll quit being double vision, focusing on the world and still trying to focus on God, then our eyes will see the king and his beauty and they will behold a far distant land. Notice Colossians 3 and verses 1 through 3. Therefore, if you have raised up with, been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I might mention here that Paul is indicating that our former life of darkness is hidden when we rise up to walk with Christ. We now produce a life of light when we seek the things above. The light displaces that darkness. It hides it. It masks it. It dispels it. It makes it go away. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Also, John 8 and verse 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. There it is. We focus on spiritual things. Is it once a week that we, spoke, uh, that we focus on God and we, spoke, we focus on spiritual things? Is today just your day that you focus or do you focus on God the whole week? Do we study our Bibles? Do we read our Bibles at home? Do we focus on Him? Do we pray during the week? Do we get down on our knees and, and we study His will and we, we help others and, and those kinds of things that, that produce that light and let the Word of God come into us, come into us and, and let that be the energy which produces light? Are we that kind of a person that does that all week long? Or we just come in and when we walk through the doors on Sunday morning, my light's on. And as soon as we go out, we turn the light off. Is that the way we live our life?
Jesus is that light that we need in our lives. And if we don't have Jesus, we're walking in darkness. In conclusion, people need to pray that the spiritual cloudiness, the cataracts, the disease, the double vision, the unclarity that we have in our life, the blindness, the spiritual blindness, the bad eye, we need to pray that that be removed from our life. We need to pray the prayer that the psalmist, psalmist David did, said in Psalm 119, verse 18, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. Satan doesn't want the spiritual eyes of the people to be opened. The devil wants people to be in darkness. He prefers people to be ignorant of God's will. That is why Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Again, our text in Matthew 6 and 22 and 23, The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The lesson is yours this morning. Hope that we've said something that will benefit us, encourage us, and lift us up this morning in our striving to live a life in dedication to God and to Jesus. Jesus died for your sins so that you can have your sins washed away. God has a plan of salvation for you. If you haven't obeyed his will, you first must hear the word of God. You must believe it and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You must repent that you're, that you're living in sin and you need to make a change and turn around and go the other direction and not serve sin anymore. You must make the confession of your faith about the fact that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and then be baptized into Christ to have your sins washed away and become that new creature, that new creation. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information, or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.